my name is Richard Bolas, and welcome to the Dad Mindset Show, where we explore different perspectives on fatherhood with the aim of becoming less bad at being a dad. Now, this week, have a an interesting show for you, and interesting in the sense that it's different. My very good friend, Glenn Davidson, thought it would be a fantastic idea to turn the mic on me, because I've been asking all these questions of fathers uh, for the last few months. And uh, so, yeah, he took up the the mantle, grabbed the mic and, and asked me a whole bunch of really interesting questions and um, then uh, asked me a bunch of the questions that I often ask people who've been on the show before. And it was really interesting for me as well and slightly terrifying. So, uh, yeah, I'd uh, like to hand over to Glenn and let him uh, run with the show. So uh, over to you, Glenn. Hi, Rich. Welcome to your show. Oh, thanks, Glenn. Uh, <laughs> I'm really, uh, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you're most welcome. Now, I, I had, a, had a bit of a theory that, you know, once you got through your first dozen uh, podcasts, that we should actually check in with you, because after all, you know, you're the inspiration to this whole thing. And um, and I, I'm personally really interested to sort of, you know, hear about what you've learned from talking to, you know, the 13 or 14 other people in this process so far. So, um, and I must say, it's been a gallant effort. You've done a, an amazing job of getting all this together. So, good on you. And I guess on the behalf of all dads out there, uh, great that you're putting some stuff together to support dads, you know, to, to do their thing and to be less bad at being a dad. So, um, look at the end of the day, it's also a really great legacy for your kids, isn't it? Don't you reckon? Uh, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, uh, and thanks, Glenn. I, I must admit, it, and thanks to all the guys that have uh, and girls that have been. Uh, brave enough to step up to the show it's it's been um it's been such a learning curve uh, in many uh in many ways but um but yeah i suppose um you know if the worst came to the worst it'd be kind of nice to know that the there's a a few conversations sort of uh recorded i, I suppose it's a a good sort of idea maybe to actually record chats to your kids just in case that eventuality yeah. you never know absolutely Absolutely. And you don't want to think that way, but that, that is, there's some of the things that, you know, travel across your mind as a parent, aren't they, often? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, I sort of, you know, I was sort of thinking the other day that, you know, I'm just leaving a whole lot of bad dad jokes as a, a legacy to my kids. And I actually <laughs> think this is, you know, a really, a really, you know, um, it's really quite a unique thing to leave behind, you know, the sort of unpacking of your head um, as a dad. When the kids are, you know, the age that or your kids, are the age that they are, when they're going back, because you know, because my kids talk about this all the time, you know, is now there's adults they reflect on the experience and feelings and perceptions they had when they were kids, and so yeah, it'd be, it'd be really mammoth, yeah, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Come on now, you start with uh, every podcast with asking, you know, a little bit of background. So I think we've got to find out the background about <laughs> about the man who's made this happen. So. Um, so we know you were born in the mother country. So tell us all about it. <laughs> right. So uh, England, back in 1975, <laughs> a little hospital in Wolverhampton. Um, no, uh, I think um, I I left home at 18. No, 19, actually. Yeah, 19. I just turned 19 by a week. I left for university and I never thought that I wouldn't go home again. It really just didn't dawn on me. I just thought... Right. I'm off to university and I'll, uh, yeah, see my folks, uh, you know, Christmas. And um, I reflected on it probably about 10 years ago 
after being all over the world thinking, I never made it back. Like, I literally walked out the door to go to university and my parents were totally behind me. And um, and yeah, it, it just went from university to my first job and then to the sabbatical I took to go and live in Tokyo. And then from Tokyo on to Australia and, and now I live in Australia. And, and yeah, I, I don't even live in the country. I haven't lived in the country for, or, you know, almost a couple of decades now. And I realize now that I'm a parent that, that must be really hard on my parents. And, I, well, I know for sure it's really hard on mum and dad. Yeah. Um, and, and especially now that, you know, Sarah and I have got kids. And um, and I think it's it's wonderful to be able to travel the world. And I've loved every minute of it. But it's also, it's tough, you know, that, you know, it's tough on the parents you leave behind. And I, and I wonder what it's going to be like when when my kids flee the nest which i mean annie and emily are already saying that they want to go live in england they want to live in japan which i think is a massive win i mean after our you know we took them to japan for five weeks last year doing the house swap it was yeah, one of one of my favorite um sort of uh things to hear them say afterwards was oh i'm totally gonna live in japan when i'm older and i thought yes winning <laughs> you know that's exactly the right answer <laughs> we've done it but um but i suppose well, we what were you gonna say glenn i was gonna say well if nothing else it's somewhere for you and sarah to go and stay isn't it yeah that's exactly yeah. true especially <laughs> if they go live in nazawa on and we can go snowboarding and skiing <laughs> so, I, I think we should Indeed. positively encourage that well, if they've got half of your and Sarah's DNA, you know they're going to be travellers. You, you know this, so you know. Um, and you've spent, you know, you, you know, best part of your adult life away from from home, haven't you? Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So tell us a little bit, you know, just about those early days of going off to Wales and you know going to uni and the army and all those sort of bits and pieces. Yeah, well, well, um, I mean, uni, uni was really interesting because when I was at, at school, I had um, one of the design teachers sort of pull me aside with one of the other guys in my year and say, look, Cardiff University does this um, engineering acquaint. I think you guys might actually like it. And so we went to Cardiff Uni for a week each and we were 17 at the time. And we went and lived in student accommodation for a week and met, met up with all these other kids that had been sort of uh, encouraged to go from their schools. And we just joined in on all the engineering faculty sort of uh, um, lectures and they were basically trying to sell us on joining the engineering faculty and and it worked a treat because um really uh fell in love with the the university itself and um i mean it sort of opened up an opportunity to me that i hadn't actually looked into before in retrospect i i do believe in not making decisions or not constraining yourself to a discipline too early. I reckon I, I totally went um, too deep into engineering too early. Yeah. I reckon I should have explored much more um, to discover more about myself. You know, what's it like a a, a, a better match setting? Because um, it wasn't quite for me, certainly at the time. But um, I, I certainly took a lot from it. And um, and so, yeah, then went to Cardiff University to study architectural engineering and met some amazing friends and um, one of the first things, I, I'd actually been to Birmingham University with my friend Cole from the UK to visit his sister when we were in sixth form uh, and sort of hung out with all her mates who were three years older than us. And um, and she'd actually done a, she was doing a, a bursary with the army 
Uh, she was a doctor or trainee doctor at the time, and and they were paying her through university, and um, and she would join the officer training corps, and and to me that just appealed massively. I mean, we weren't in cadets or anything at school. But um, there was definitely a lot of, like, I had cousins in the army and I'd always had a, a fascination with the armed forces and, and, and things like that. So, yeah, as soon as I went to university, the, the Freshers' Fair, the first thing I, I sought out was uh, the OTC. I went along and, uh, and went along to their quaint weekend and, and it was just like a, a round peg in a round hole. I, I loved it. And so just um jumped in boots and all and um yeah spent five years in the otc and and it's really a, just an amazing recruiting ground for the british army where yeah you do all and the, sorry rich just otc yeah o- otc again uh officer training corps. O- officer training call yeah, yeah. Cool. just making sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um, sorry yeah, I, I was going to say, like, yeah, it's interesting. It's a lot like parenting, you know, your younger life, isn't it? You know, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of wisdom in hindsight, but there on the <laughs> 20, day, 20 you, know, vision. <laughs> you make decisions about stuff. And I like, you know, you and I have been known to have a few ales together. And I know a lot of the, the stories of, you know, Rich at that time. Um, did you do anything that, and this is your podcast, so you can edit anything out <laughs> you like, of course, but, um, but did you do anything that, you know, you know, mum and dad would have been like, you know, not embarrassed, but, you know, a little bit, oh, Rich, you sort of, you've gone a bit too far, did, um, you know, in, that, in those heady, heady young days? Uh, well, a, you know, I often, often joke with my friends that, you know, if social media and uh, personal cameras had been around in those days, you know, you'd never be able to get a job in politics or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's it's actually a real worry because, I mean, some of the things we did get up to was so much fun. I mean, it was all harmless fun. No one one else got hurt. It was usually us um, making ourselves look idiots. But um, it was so good, like, you know, shared camaraderie, and all that sort of stuff and, and, you know, pushing the boundaries on, you know, things, but, um, it was, it was awesome. And, and I feel it's a little bit sad for our kids now that they, they can't do that anymore. Um, you know, just because it would just be up in social media forever and, uh, and it's a bit sad. So you had a blast, didn't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like some yeah. of the stuff we did, we did all the best stuff, yeah, um, you know, and, and we had access to some really cool, um, you know, activities from scuba diving in Cyprus and, you know, oh, just just blowing up 70 kilos of P4 in a, in a single weekend. Um, I've always felt that, you know, some of the stories you tell would, you know, just make good little comic st- sketches, you know, that really, really you were there making comic moments in, in you know, the life of Army, weren't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, they, so, they're, they're essentially trying to sell you on joining the Army, so they show you all the best stuff, and you get to do all the coolest stuff. Yeah. And um, and all my friends that actually went on to, um, you know, join regiments afterwards, they all said, oh, it was the best time there. You know, it it, it wasn't a... Wasn't a, um, a it wasn't a, a shadow of uh, of what we enjoyed at university. So, um, yeah. I mean, we worked damn hard and we did some really cool stuff like, you know, Cambrian patrol competitions and all that sort of stuff yeah. with the regular forces and so yeah. on. And um, and it was, you know, training with the um, two on SAS. They they would train us up for those competitions and stuff. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, but, um, yeah, I think... Um, you were very footloose and fancy free. That's eh? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. All the way up to becoming a parent, but we'll get back on that a little bit later on. <laughs> but the, so, well, there was so, other things like I mean, one of the things like I fell through a 
six by four plane uh, glass of window. Um, like that was drunk coming back from the uni bar. And those sort of things uh, you wouldn't even tell your parents because they just no. worry themselves sick. But I was yeah, that, yeah, sure. I was that drunk that didn't make a difference. But um, yeah. you know, there's yeah that that's stuff that I think parents are probably better off not knowing at the time. Yeah, I, I'm interested, Rich. You know, because uh, I know your family very well, and and you're a very close family and a very loving family. And being the older brother, you know, um, Beck was you know obviously a good deal younger when you you left home. Um, you know how did they? How did you go about? You know that sort of missing each other, and you know you've gone from that sort of daily contact, and all of a sudden, you know the the eldest boy isn't there, and you know your your folks and your younger sister aren't around. You know how did that sort of mechanic work for you guys? We were really lucky, I think, in that we could. I mean, my sister Beck and I, we can be away from each other for years at a time, and then when we do catch up, we just reconnect again and it's like we haven't seen each other for just a day so we're really lucky in that sense but I think I can certainly kick the arse out of it um, inadvertently and kind of not be in contact and forget to send you know cards and things like that so I hope I I don't sort of uh, you know empty the uh, the the bank account too much there but um, certainly it feels like you know we can definitely um, you know be away from each other for a long time and then just reconnect really quickly and and everything's back up to full speed again yeah and your folks yeah with folks i mean talk to mom a lot um on the phone and now whatsapp now she's got an iphone she's dangerous um she always jokes that you know i only call her to to send me to sleep because you know she'll just (laughs) talk and talk and talk and and i just sort of listen and then you know start doing other things (laughs) because you know it's just like nice background uh conversation and and she often says that i I only call so that she sends me to sleep but it's just that i call at the end of the day that's you know when everything else is squared away it's the it's the the only time time. yeah the only time i get the time zone is pretty tough at the moment like I've tried to call a few times in the morning and, and by the time I get onto it, it's sort of 11, 11 p.m. their time and yeah. so it's not really fair to call them. And the only other time to call is when I've just put the kids to bed or, or I've just fallen asleep reading Harry Potter to Annie or something like that. Well, so. you, and, you and I are normally having conversations at 11 o'clock at night for precisely the same reason, so I can imagine <laughs> yeah. you know, put a time zone in there and makes it, you know, uh, another tricky one again. You know, Beck, you know... Um, uh, you know, being younger than you, you know, she clearly looks up to you, uh, you know, and, and always has done. So now that you're both parents, are you having that sort of discussion, you know, between each other about your your parenting approaches? And do you reflect any of that between the way, like, you know, your mum and dad sort of, you know, parented you too? Like, you know, how's, how's that conversation going on with the, you know, uh, she's not so much, you, you know, your little sister anymore, is she? You know, she's a uh, you know, uh, a grown adult with kids, you know, as as you are. I think. I mean, I've always, I've always seen her as a peer, anyway. I think. Well, certainly since like leaving home. I think. Am I right in saying that? No, that sounds weird. Um, that's a great question, Glenn. I think we haven't really had that chat about being parents as both being parents as such i'm gonna be careful because she's gonna to listen to this as well so i gotta nail this i hope so, <laughs> so. <laughs> um 
Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I'll have to ask her and get back to you on that one. <laughs> well, well, personally, I think that's a great podcast just in itself, you know. You know, just the comparison between your folks and what you you both are doing, you know, as, as individuals and then the sort of collective sense of, you know, the bolus DNA in, in how you're parenting, I think would be really, really interesting. So, so, so let's, you know, let's, let's just talk a little bit about those sort of relationships too. Like, you know, that, that dad was a factory worker and, you know, you've always had an enormous admiration of him and, and, um, you know, what, what was it about his, you know, presence as a father that, you know, you really sort of, you know, is, is deep within you and your relationship with him? I think the thing I, I looked up to the most with dad is he could fix anything. And I mean anything. And although I think that's, <clears throat> you know, it's a double-edged sword because these days you can waste a lot of time trying to fix something that you don't have the skills to fix when actually you should just, you know, get someone else that can do it for you. But, I mean, we certainly didn't have the 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 financial means to pay other people to fix things, and that's why he did that. And, and I really admired that ability for him to... Yeah, whether it was a, a radio or a car or some kind of machinery, like a, a heat pump or something like that, he just had a way. And he would take it into the garage, pull it apart. There might be a bit of swearing and some electric sparks flying out <laughs> around here and there. But um, yeah, he could turn his hand to pretty much anything physically and technically. And that was really amazing to watch. Yeah, I think that's probably what, the What were the thing. things that sort of really sticks in your mind as far as memories of, you know, time with Dad when you were young? Oh, I think I was like his second skin. I mean, I remember yeah. Mom saying that. You know, I, I, I just followed him around everywhere. Um, I think I followed Mom around everywhere as well. Um, you know, who, whichever parent was, you know, looking after me at the time, I, I would just be right behind them. And, and to my detriment, I think, in some cases, I remember getting into the attic at one stage and, reaching up to step in and, and we didn't have a light switch in there. We just had a, an empty a bayonet and I just put my thumb straight in the, the light bayonet and electrocuted myself. Uh -huh. but, um, but, uh, and, and dad, of course, knew that you don't do that because that's where the, <laughs> the light switch is. You just <laughs> screw the light bulb in and it turns on. And so, but um, there was one time when he was under a car fixing something and I think he banged his head or something like that. And uh, he, he swore... And I, I would go around to the next door neighbor, Mr. Jenks, quite a lot as well. Mr. and Mrs. Jenks, they were like a 70 plus year old couple. And um, they're amazing. And I, I just went around to Mr. Jenks. Mr. Jenks, is, is shit a bad word? And, like, and I was probably four or five at the time. And it's like, oh, my gosh, where did you hear that from? You know, and in those days, you know, saying things like that wasn't quite as uh, um, regularly done as, as, uh, as it is today. But um yeah, I was always following him and watching him building stuff, fixing stuff. We're always, you know, doing things in the garden. I mean, we did some pretty dangerous stuff as well. He he built me a zip line um, from yeah. the top garden down to the bottom garden. Well, and cool. um, it was super cool. Like all the neighbors, kids, they loved hanging out at our house because we'd do all the dangerous stuff. Like, um, So this zip line consisted of some rope, nylon rope strung from halfway up a tree, uh, probably about 20 meters on the, on a level of garden, 20 meters above the ground level. Yeah. And then tie, like anchored off in the driveway around, a a big pillar, concrete pillar and, um, and then tensioned and, uh, and then dad basically got a, a piece of 
rebar or like a piece of steel with a wheel in the middle and just assume that like my weight would hold the wheel in the center and I could just slide uh, down it. And um, yeah, the first iteration consisted of me having slightly more weight on one side, tipping the whole thing over and then friction burning my thumb until I dropped off halfway down the bank into a big pile of brambles and then rolled down into the grass. Um, and uh, so that was... Uh, an epic fail and so we went back to the drawing board uh he, he patched me up and, and put a band-aid on and said oh yeah sorry about that we'll uh we'll make it better and and he did so he made this whole um you know wooden pulley system where you could take a wheel out and then put it over the rope and then lock the wheel in place and then there was a handle uh, like held below and that, that worked amazing it was so yeah. good and so we would take it off at the bottom and then run up position it over the rope lock it in and then lift our feet and slide down the garden and we would go like the clappers like it was super proper dangerous and um and that was super that was so much fun and like i say the the neighbor's kids would just be queuing up and hanging out and and he'd always come up with something like this where i think the other parents not that they were too busy but they definitely wouldn't do stuff quite as dangerous <laughs> and so yeah. Like I remember him firing box, bottle rockets across the the field out of a tube and letting yeah. us do it as well. <laughs> like there's no yeah. way other parents would do that. So there we were we with this with this tube firing them horizontally <laughs> across the field. So uh, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it's interesting you talk about that following him around like you know the shadow because your young fella Will does that with you, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does quite a bit. Yeah, he's your right hand man. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get on to talking about your. Uh, your clan in a little while, um, you know, and and mum, yeah, you, you sort of those sort of, you know, your mum's such a wonderful lady, and um, yeah, she's a bit of jack of all trades, wasn't she? Growing up, she did lots of bits and pieces, didn't she? But what what were the sort of things that you sort of remember about, you know, her parenting style, and you know, when when Rich and Beck were in trouble, like you know, which parent did the did the uh, you know the, give you the talking to, or you know, who who is the authoritarian between your mum and dad? Because I can't imagine either of them, to be honest. I think mum would point it out and dad would discipline. That would be right. the way it goes. But they work pretty close together. Yeah, I think yeah. that's generally how yeah. it went. Mum would tend to get outraged like, and point out, that's outrageous. And then dad would come in and go, right, you're for it. <laughs> so, But um, no, I mean, it, it was always fair. Like um, yeah. they, they certainly weren't mean and, and you knew that they weren't doing it just because they were being mean or anything like that. It was just, yeah, you, you, you messed up. You were being cheeky. You're going to cop it. You're nicked fair cop, old son. <laughs> That's it. It's a fair <laughs> cop, governor. You got me banged <laughs> to rights. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, you know, it's interesting, you know, listening through all the podcasts, you know, on your show that, you know, camping comes up a heap, doesn't it? You know, yeah. It's really interesting. And, and you and I did our, our uh, podcast recording actually while we were camping. But, <laughs> I've often heard you talk really fondly about going on, you know, caravan trips, you know, with with your mum and dad, and and how your dad, you know, really fitted out that whole sort of, and I guess facilitated that whole dynamic of being able to go away. Oh, absolutely! It was a big part right from early days. I mean, I, some of my earliest memories, I can actually remember being at the beach in Abbasock, uh, this little country, well, this little beach town in Wales, about I don't know, 120 miles from where we live. Yep. And um, and there are photos there of me, and I think I'm about three, maybe four, 
but I can distinctly remember being there as well because it was the one time we actually rented a, a house with the whole family. So Nan um, and some of my aunties and my cousin went. And um, yeah, I, it was amazing to have those such early memories um, at such yeah. a young age. So um, yeah, that was those sort of trips. But then dad went and bought an ambulance at one stage, um, like a it was an old transit van. And um, we we went and picked it up in, I think it was Telford, which was down the road. And we checked it out. And there's this old transit van that was empty except for a spare wheel and this third seat that folded down from the wall. It even yeah. had, um, you know, all the sort of uh, connections where gear would have been fastened to the walls and stuff for an ambulance. I, I hate to think what sort of things happened in there. And we drove it back to Bridge North and... and um, there we were with just um, this empty carcass of a, a van and dad proceeded to uh, just fit it out like a camper van over, uh, you know, a number of weeks. And uh, he did an amazing job. He he got all this sort of um, paneling and, and built it in. He built the, uh, his own seats, even because he worked at Star Aluminium, which was this uh, aluminium um, processing factory. And uh, so he got things like light fittings. Um, and one of the one of the guys said, what do you want that? No, he said, can I have this this old light fitting that's in the scrap heap? And the, the fitter said, yeah, as long as you tell me what you want it for. And, um, and he said, well, I want to make a sink for the uh, for a camper van. And the guy just shook his head and went, yeah. you're kidding. So anyway, so he did that. So he took a lamp and fashioned it into a sink and, and built out the whole stove area out of aluminium. Yeah. And, and the van yeah. was painted in aluminium paint and pretty much <laughs> anyway. So it was basically, basically sponsored by the, the fitters at Star Aluminium. Thank you very much, guys. But um, yeah, he certainly didn't steal anything. He just got things at a good good price. And um, and then yeah, we we yeah. always went over to a place called Gailey Caravans, which was this caravan center, and and it was one on one time with Dad that I really loved because yeah. we would drive over on say a Sunday or a Saturday, and um, and it was just him and me, and we'd go look around this this camping store, and it was it was for fitting out caravans really, so it wasn't really just you know the actual camp gear that you normally see say in a raise or something, it was like the full on hardware. And it just had so much potential in it. You'd walk around and go, what's this? Oh, it's a pump. Cool. I don't know what that does, but it looks cool. I think we need one. And, um, <laughs> and But now you sort of ask that question, I, I reflect that those times were really special, just him and me. And there are other times where we had one-on-one -on -one time, and it was driving over to buy tropical fish because he had a big aquarium as well. And that was really special because it would be just him and me going over and, and picking out the 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 fish, the plants, and then bringing them home. And it would be a whole sort of afternoon away together. And I think I've definitely tried to recreate that with my kids. Um, and and I'm definitely putting more stress on it now and trying to, you know, manufacture those times one on one because I I remember them being so formative and important for me. Well, I'm going to ask you a little bit, you know, in a little while about, um, you know, the themes that are coming out, you know, between the dads that you've spoken to. But that certain one, you know, certainly one-on-one -on -one time is one thing, but but it's often just the simple go away on a family, you know, small family holiday that seems to be a common theme amongst all of us, isn't it? You know, we're not trying to, you know, save up to do the big first-class, you know, round-the-world ticket trip with our kids, you know, just a, a campfire and a and a and a sleeping bag and a tent sort of seems to do it, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And and it is. It's just, it's. I, I don't want to say quality time. It's just focus time, family time. Yeah. The, yeah. There, are, there are fewer distractions because you're in a, an unusual environment and you're all working together. You know, whether yeah, it's indeed. camping where, you know, we used to go and get the water in the, with the big containers and everyone would have different jobs, yep. but everyone's working together. There's, uh, yeah. It's magic times. Yeah. Okay, we're going to space uh, time warp a little bit because, uh, you know, I want to get, you know, to talking <laughs> about, you know, Sarah and, 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 and the, the kids that you have. Um, so just give us a quick little, you know, very quick outline of leaving England to go, because un, unbeknown to most people, um, you know, you're a master martial artist and, uh, you know, you've got this invitation to go to Japan to sort of quickly fill us in about your little sojourn to uh, Japan and then how you ended up in Australia. Yeah, well, um, I, uh, it started out cause I did a year out in industry in London and I was working for this, um, engineering company on the railways and, and I, I had a brief introduction to Aikido at university and I thought, oh, this is really cool. Really like this. It was a really I, it really appealed to me because it was a very, it wasn't, you know, getting in a cage and, and trying to knock seven bells out of someone, but it was, it was very much like, I love the discipline of it. I love the fact that you could, there were, there were ways, it was all about levers and um, balance. And so if you can get someone slightly off balance, but then focus your body weight on their elbow you can, or their wrist, or something like that. You can, you know, direct someone in a, a really powerful way, especially if there's momentum involved. And that really appealed to me because I wasn't a massive guy; I wasn't muscly and and stuff like that. And but I, I really liked the idea. I'd seen some situations where people were getting beaten up, and I never wanted to be stood by by the side and and have to watch that happen and not actually stop it. So I was drawn to Aikido. I think. Because I I wanted at least to do my best to get to a stage where I could step in and break fights up because yeah. I had seen a couple of situations and I'd stood by one in particular and I just didn't know what to do like there was a guy getting beaten up in in front of us and and we were all scared shitless and and it really rocked me and I think I was drawn to Aikido because there definitely were ways and and since then I've definitely been able to use ways to actually break up fights and so that. That was something that I I looked up as soon as I went to Watford because I'd started at the club in Cardiff, loved it. And then I got to Watford and looked up the Yellow Pages, found an Aikido club, and I just called up and went along. And it was just a bunch of tradies. Um, it wasn't sort of university students. And and I, I waited and I didn't join in on the first class and I was total beginner, really, white belt. And um, these guys came out, they're all builders, and they just proceeded to knock seven shades of shit out of each other. And it was totally different to the Aikido I'd seen before. I was like, yeah. holy shit, what is going on here? This is this is hectic. These guys, there was there were multiple different styles. And and the turns out the two instructors were brothers. And they lived and grew up in Watford, which had some pretty sketchy things going on. It's just down the road from London. And so they were bouncers and they worked in nightclubs all through their youth and they'd got into Aikido early and for them, they would go and learn with their instructor and then they'd take a technique and go, right, let's test it this week. And they'd be working the doors in nightclubs 
And they'd have opportunities to test all the techniques out and go, oh, that one was rubbish. That didn't work. Oh, forget that one. And then they go, oh, geez, that really worked. That's awesome. And then they'd really focus on the ones that worked well. And so they, they, they basically applied street sort of um, street fighting. Not, not street fighting, but... It's design, it's design thinking. Yeah, it was. It was, it was fit for purpose. But yeah, it was, it was restraint and removal. So it was basically if you're on a door of a nightclub and you don't want to get arrested for breaking someone's nose, you basically use Aikido because you can you know, control and diffuse and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it was really good. But, um, and so they, I, I started training with them and I was the little college boy and there were all these massive guys. Well, I say all of them. There's probably six or seven guys and they're all brown belts and black belts there were no other beginners there and i just kept my mouth shut and just went each week and they just ignored me for the first couple of months but you know not in a bad way just you know i think they didn't expect me to to keep going and and when when they could see that i wasn't actually going to go away they took me under their wing and and um and it was just magic i loved hanging out with them and um and they you know they trained hard they taught me as much as they could and and at the end of the year i had to go back to university and and I went back to the university club and it just wasn't the same. I just, I, I realized that it, what I, you know, I'd opened Pandora's box and realized there were many different styles of Aikido. And I, I wanted the one that I'd seen in Watford, not the one that I'd known before. And, um, and so I went to Japan. Well, to get the yeah. Out of you. <laughs> well, I read a book. I'd, I'd come across a book called Angry White Pajamas. And it was, um, this book about a guy living in Tokyo who did this, course with the tokyo right police instructors course there was they, yeah. they sort of ran an, a, um, an instructor's course attached to the tokyo right police the the tokyo right police could actually um fast track if you wanted to become an officer in the tokyo right police you could sign up to get your ass kicked for a year um to prove your your budo spirit or your your fighting spirit and so they could choose between kendo karate judo and aikido and um and essentially there'd be say i think it was 10 yeah 10 in each discipline each year and they would take the year off work they wouldn't have to work which actually annoyed us um you know they'd be paid but they'd be training three times a day five days a week and they would get their asses kicked and often they'd get you know shoulders dislocated and all that sort of stuff so it was it was really tough for them um but um there's an, an a lot of international um, clubs wanted to go to the HQ of the Yoshinkan Aikido, you know, dojo to get their instructor certificates. And so the instructors decided to um, join the two together so that the a bunch of international potential instructors could train alongside the riot police and it would give them sort of cannon fodder, so to speak. And, um, but, you know, then at the end of the year, you could get your black belt in from the, the, Hombu or uh, headquarters and um, and then also the following three months you'd get your instructor's qualification and um, it was pretty intense uh, you know like I think we we're in the dojo seven seven hours a day five days a week for 11 months yeah. and um, and so so I read this book and there were people in it that I really admired and I was like holy shit I've got to do this course and um and there were a few a part of that yeah, yeah exactly and i put down the book and <laughs> and then i called my old instructor in watford and said pete do you reckon do you know anyone that's done this and he said yeah i know the the policeman in it paul the policeman 
you know, he's actually, uh, he's come back from Tokyo now and he's part of the London Met. He's a detective now and I can give him a call and ask him. And so, um, so yeah, he, I had a phone call with him and, and he said, yeah, I, I know, um, you know, Darren, the chief instructor, foreign instructor over there, I'll, um, you know, just get a letter of recommendation from Pete and, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll put you in touch with the dojo and arrange it. And I was, I put down the phone and sort of thought to myself, oh shit, I'm going to Tokyo. And like, it was a, it was a really poignant moment. I, it was like absolute certainty that that was what was going to happen. And so, so yeah, I told the guys I was working with, um, cause this was sort of a year, two years after being in Watford, I was working for a building company, renovating and um, building houses in Cardiff. And um, I told them, guys, I, I need to take a sabbatical. I, I need to go do this course. And they were really supportive uh, as well. And and so I I basically um, took the year out. I went to Tokyo. And um, yeah, it was a pretty intense year. And then I came back to England afterwards to go back into work. And um, it just felt like unfinished business. And I'd been asked. I was the only... There were like Israelis, Israeli paratroopers, the guys from the different armies. Secret service, Israeli <laughs> secret service. Uh, well, yeah, it was, yeah, they certainly talked it off a bit, but they all quit. Like none of the Israelis made it through our course. Um, right. We started with 15 and only nine finished. And um, a number of those are through injury. Like the French guy got a broken leg and um, nah. nearly, nearly, I was the only one to make it through the course without an injury. And I got a certificate at the end of it because that hadn't happened on the course before. It was quite an anomaly. <laughs> and it was bizarre because we, like I turned up in, I'd actually met um, my friend Tim, Tim Cook, who was on the show a few weeks back. He um, he was based in, um, I can't remember which barracks he was based at in, in the UK. Uh, and he had a friend who was leaving the army. Uh, and so he spoke to him and said, um, what are you going to do? And he said, oh, I'm going to Tokyo to do this um, martial arts course, uh, Aikido. And Tim said, oh, my, my friend's going to do that as well, I think. And, and this guy, he said, no, no, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, it's not many people go. And it turned out that it was the same course. So we got in oh, touch with go. each other and we became yeah. roommates in Tokyo. And it was, it was fabulous because cool. we had such a shared sort of history through a lot of my friends who joined the army and then a lot of his friends that, had, yeah. uh, that he'd worked with in the army. And so we were roommates together. Uh, in this three meter by four meter room for the first year, yeah. and, um, is that your friend that still lives in Tokyo? Uh, no, no, different ones, different no. ones. So, no. um, yeah. And so you went back to Tokyo, right? I did, I did. They, yeah. At the end of the course, well, I think because the first night we got there, the Canadian instructor actually sat us down and said, "Right, guys, you're going to get your asses kicked this year. You're you're prepared to get your." dislocated and all this sort of stuff and i wrote in my diary what the fuck am i doing like <laughs> I'm, I'm signing up to basically break my body this is ridiculous and so i think i took that into the year and it was almost like i didn't have a fear of falling but i knew that i had to get really good at falling and and making sure that i looked after my body so that i could make yeah. it through i didn't want to get like i, I knew i could make it through the course i i knew i won i had the determination but i didn't want to get Kazavakt off if you know what I mean like through breaking something and so yeah, exactly. it became a real focus for me to get as good as I could so in between lessons I'll be dragging the crash mats out and and really trying to perfect my falls and and break falls back falls everything until like I got to a stage where 
at the end, I got assigned um, this guy, Mirren, who was a bit of a crusher. All the all the riot police hated him, and he'd broken a couple of them by accident because he was just like this big puppy dog that just was so strong and he was so enthusiastic he was an australian kickbox champion i think and he he just didn't know his own strength and so he um i got assigned to be his partner at the end and like the the instructor said ah oh, really sorry rich but you've got mirren <laughs> like but I, <laughs> I, it was a bit of an honor as well because i guess you know they sort of recognized that uh, uh you know i could break fall out of most things and so that was it was a really I suppose that was the first sort of time I'd taken a real growth mindset to applying myself to, you know, really learning as fast as I could and learning off anyone and really looking at my weaknesses and trying to really patch them up. So I think I focused more yeah, on that they, than the actual techniques itself because well, it, it's quite a discipline to wrap your head well, around. Well, we can, we can certainly see that, you know, that, that played out now in the sort of, you know, even just putting this podcast together in many respects. So yeah, <laughs> the great, great foundation so, so I, I want to get us very focused back into the parenting because <laughs> yeah. that's what this podcast is about. And so, so Japan left a big stamp on you, and we'll yeah. leave it at that. And and um, and, uh, and and if it's sort of you know at all helpful, you know, it's, I certainly feel a lot safer walking around Sydney with you um, than I do alone. So. <laughs> I can basically get my ass kicked. I mean, I'm pretty yeah. That, that's that's well, I think the main thing. Getting I your ass kicked, I'll, I'll jump in an Uber. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, the best form of self-defense okay. is a good pair of sneakers anyway. <laughs> That's exactly right. But you can run way faster than I can. <laughs> okay, so so let's get you to Australia, okay? So yeah. you, you've come to Australia, um, and we won't unpack why, but you're in Australia, and uh, you meet characters like myself and, and many others that will feature uh, along this podcast. Yeah. Series. We do we do some cool things in, in sustainability and... and uh, Northern Territories. And Northern Territory. We have a bit of a right. And then um, and then I introduce you to... to, to 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 the love of your life, so, <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, and I, I proudly wear that that title. Uh, <laughs> so, so so let's let's talk a little bit about you know um, you know you meet Sarah, and you you have a wonderful wedding. We're going to skip skip all those bits and pieces because we've got to get back into this kid business, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. You know, so so when when was the moment that you know you and Sarah you know looked at each other and gone okay it's time to do this kid thing. Well, it's funny you ask because we talked about kids and we both agreed that we wanted to have kids and we just decided that, you know, we just got married and like, well, let's just see what happens. And so, you know, we stopped using contraceptives and, and yeah, it happened straight away. It's kind of like Tim said in the first podcast, you know, we only have to stand next to each other and we fall pregnant. You know, it's kind right. of, we're, we're very, very fortunate like that. You know, I, I know a lot of people aren't, but so, so yeah, we, we basically went on, uh, we were actually in Japan because we were flying through Japan. We stopped off for a couple of days out yeah. on our way to England for our second wedding because we got married in Australia and then, um, yeah, awesome. then we got, got married again in England because we didn't feel it was right to invite uh, friends halfway around the world just for our wedding, whereas we could take the wedding to them and um and so i'm pretty sure we got pregnant with annie when we're in japan so uh, yes uh, that's much quicker than i sort of recall funnily enough (laughs) Um, but but you know you two are living the great you know couple's lifestyle on the beach of manly like you know this must have been a fairly big move to go look you know um going from this you know swimming riding and it was it was interesting because enjoying some time as a couple yeah i think we knew i mean 
I think we 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 absolutely knew that our time in Manly was limited. I mean, Sarah's dad was terminally ill, so we knew that we wanted to yeah, move back down as soon as possible. And we actually said to each other, and we often, you know, I'd ride my mountain bike. Sarah would be, you know, standing on the 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 like the the nuts at the back of the bike holding onto my shoulders and she'd have the snorkel gear on her shoulder we'd both be in wetsuits and we'd be cycling along the promenade in manly to go snorkeling around around the point and we'd do that no two or three times a weekend it was you know we really got into it but every time we were like soak it up you know this is so good but let's just breathe it in and just love every appreciate every minute of this because we know it's not going to last we're we're moving away you know within a year and we all missed you here in victoria so you know i'm glad you glad you made this decision (laughs) yeah and uh, (laughs) yeah it was so good coming back and but you know manly does there's a a soft spot in my heart for manly i I had amazing times there and it's such a beautiful reef to swim around and so on and um, yeah, it certainly is. And you and I, yeah, we we went back there and would work and stay at the uh, yeah. the Periwinkle uh, the Peri- guest house. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. such a cool place. And they were the days, weren't they? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now tell, tell tell us. So so you know so um, so you and Sarah decide to get onto the family business. Hmm. So talk talk tell us about your three kids for those of it, you know those listeners who don't don't know you. Yeah. So and, um, you Annie know, Annie turned and, up. So um, well, it was Annie turned up, and it was a really quick sort of birth and Sarah's dad was literally on his deathbed had I think three weeks before he passed away so as soon as we had Annie in the hospital we said to the you know the um the nurses and that look we explained the situation we really want to get back home can we leave and they said yeah yeah just go just go and um, basically ran out of the hospital and I remember walking up to the car going Oh shit! How the hell do you use these seats? <laughs> you know, it's a good job I actually <laughs> taken the. Like, that's the sort of thing no one tells you. <laughs> like, you know, get a grip and get the seats sorted and figure out how to use them beforehand. But um, so it's we got back in. <laughs> yeah, and we we smuggled Annie in through the back door because uh, yeah. you know my folks and and Sarah's mom and everyone was in the lounge and we knew that if we carried the baby in. Um, you know, it'd be another hour before we got through to see Sarah's dad, Butch. And so we snuck in through the back door and just went straight up to his bed and, and pulled Annie out. And she was, you know, literally fresh and um, just handed her over and, and he held her in his arms. And, and it was such a, it was such a great moment. I mean, obviously not in, you know, many senses, but it was so nice to be able to, you know, introduce her to her you know, Sarah's dad before he passed away. So that was really... He was quite lucid at that stage too, wasn't he? He was, he was. I yeah, mean, yeah. we've got a, a wonderful photo of him looking up to the camera, holding Annie. Yeah. So, uh, but he went down real quick after that. So, yeah. Holding yeah. out, I reckon, for that, that moment. Well, you he know, totally did. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting too, I think there's another whole sort of podcast just in, you know, um, Butch being a dad and sort of unpacking with Sarah and her sisters and, you know, brother you know just about you know living with a guy like butch as a dad you know as a, a wonderful yeah. role model and a guy that so much embraced life didn't he, he was such a well a wonderful fellow and that was sort of respect. i spent about i mean we we moved down and probably spent about four or five months living with him and lucy well we lived in one of the cabins up on the farm and then spent a lot of time with them but um you know i actually asked him for his advice and uh about you know bringing up a family and and his one piece was spend more time with the family he really he regretted yeah later on not 
it working so hard and he did he worked like a trojan yeah. he was he was in, yeah. so impressive in that sense but and he did an amazing thing to set the family up and and everything but that was one thing he did say to me you know really you know i wish i could have spent more time with them and i think it's a regret that everyone has and you know so i yeah. think that's really stuck with me and and it's um and it's really important to recognize that early on yeah. and, and not have that regret well, it's, it's interesting, Rich, because, you know, quite a number of the people you've interviewed for the podcast are all men who have made that decision quite consciously. Um, you know, and I guess for those of us who are older dads, you know, that, that uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really great conversation that's going on between couples and, you know, and, and friendship groups and stuff at the moment about that notion about dads just being more present in their kids' lives, isn't it? And it's, you know, and I, and I think your podcasts have done a wonderful job at highlighting that too. So, you know, that it's it's really quite quite special, I think, is, you know, part of that that realisation on your behalf, you know. And we, 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 we'll unpack it sort of the year in Adelaide in just a minute. Um, so, yeah, I'm just conscious of the time, so I want to push along because we've got some big questions to go here. Um, <laughs> Sorry. We, <we're, laughs> uh, and you can edit it out. No, you're good. Uh, and so, uh, so, so not too long after you and Sarah stand next to each other and uh, you're pregnant again, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, Emily's, uh, Emily, Emily comes out second. And um, so, two years after Annie. How far apart? Are we two, yeah, two years. And um and then almost two years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, maybe just yeah. A, yeah uh, no, no, sorry, it's just over. So Annie's oh, a, Annie's April, and then Emily's May. Oh, I saw. I saw yeah, and um and so then then basically uh so and you and I were working full time on CTI then as well. Yeah. And so that was when we made the big move to Adelaide when things sort of wound down with CTI. And then um, Sarah decided to take a job full time working for SA Water because that was her um, skill set, and she's amazing at that sort of stuff. And so um, it was a a big step for me because I I think I'd realised that stage that I I love being around family, and you know I missed my family yeah. so much and tried to get back yeah. to the UK as much as I could and get them over here yeah. as much as I could. But um, it was also important I felt to be around Sarah's family with the kids as well. So. Then to make the decision to go to Australia, um, Adelaide was um, it was a big one, but I understood that it was an important one for to allow Sarah to to flex her sort of Absolutely. career muscles as well, yeah. and, and and you know obviously um, my work had dried up, and so um, she offered to step into the breach and and be the breadwinner, and so I took a step back and um, became a, a you know a, a house dad for a year. Um, I wouldn't call it a step back though, Rich, is it? It's it's a step. No, yeah, sorry. It's a, it's a yeah. step in another. You know, That's right. It's a, a step aside, isn't it? Yeah, you know? you're right. And and yeah. um, well, I was thinking more about. I, I guess from our our company perspective, it definitely felt like <clears throat> taking the foot off the gas of being the breadwinner and letting Sarah step on the gas, being the breadwinner, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, saying that, but, but, you and I were still running online courses at night time, <laughs> and I was just, I was buggered. I I had yeah. a real really new appreciation for anyone that is the main carer for a child or two children or two children just yeah. like i was completely <laughs> fucked like <laughs> i it would get to the stage where i would i yeah i'd watch sarah cycle off to work 
And I'd I'd been up till say eleven o'clock the night before trying to you know write online courses or or yeah. you know help um, support the online courses you were running, and then I'd close my laptop, try try and get some sleep, and then I'd be up in the morning and Sarah would leave and I'd be jealous of her cycling. After <laughs> oh my gosh, she gets to spend fifteen minutes on a bike all by herself. I'm so jealous. And uh, I, 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 remember, I, I remember ringing you and you know you, you were always <laughs> taking the girls swimming or taking the girls down to the shops to get this or yeah. you know, I'm going to take the girls to the library or we've got reading this morning or you know <laughs> like and I was sort of thinking oh god you know my, my life is so you know quiet and, and controlled <laughs> compared to you <laughs> well I I literally had to call mom in the morning on Skype and say mom uh, I'm I'm in tatters here. Can you talk to the girls while they eat their porridge? I need a coffee. And so, why, why have five minutes to bang my head on the brick wall? Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't it wasn't like frustration. It was just like I'm hanging out my ass here. I really need yeah. caffeine. And so, yeah. I, but I didn't want to leave the girls to go in the other room and make coffee. And I yeah. just I, I'd set up Skype and and Mum would just talk to the girls like while they're sat in the high chairs eating their their breakfast. And yeah. I'd be in yeah. the kitchen grrr, with this coffee machine going, please just give me caffeine just give me caffeine and um yeah so uh that was it was fun times but i had a a deep misunderstanding of what it would be i thought it was going to be the easiest thing in the world i thought yeah it's going to be easy you know just put the girls in the trailer on the bike and we'll cycle down to the coffee shop and hang out with the other parents and just have coffee and then go to the park and the library oh it's going to be easy and, uh, yeah, it was a rude awakening. So uh, there wasn't a, there wasn't a manly experience anywhere, right? No, <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're not in manly anymore. <laughs> so, no, no. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. It. yeah. Okay, let, let, let's leave leave Adelaide, and so uh, you you come back to to Torquay, and you, you buy the house, right? Around pretty, pretty well, not after. not straight away, no. Yeah. It was um, not, not too long after. But anyway, so yeah. you bought a house, bought your house, yeah. and. and in Torquay and decided that's where you, you know, we're going to get, get set the roots down and do all that sort of stuff. And you and Sarah stand next to each other again in a long time, Will. Yeah. Well, he'd, we'd stood next to each other in Adelaide and that was part of the reason we came back uh, as well. So Sarah was going to have to take a maternity leave anyway. Yeah. And she didn't feel, well, yeah, she, she didn't feel it was fair to sort of put that on the company um, yeah. and then have to hire someone else. And then, because we yeah. were unsure we were going to stay anyway. So yeah. we decided to pull the pin. Uh, we and, couldn't have been too tired in Adelaide then, Rich. What's that? You couldn't have been too tired in Adelaide then. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so, um, so just for the sake of the listeners, um, Rich and Sarah have got three young people, uh, yeah. all f- fairly close in age range. So yeah, uh, the, 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 we often joke together that um, you know I've got a few kids, but they're like six years apart each time. So. <laughs> I don't understand how the pair of them do it, to be honest, just yeah. from an energy point and of view. And he's nine, Ali's seven, and Will's four. Yeah, cool. Okay, let, let's get into some, some serious questions in here about what, what's, you know, th- this process, you know, of, of, of you know, and, and you and I, you know, we, we talk about a lot of stuff, and this is one of the things that you really, you know, felt that was really important for you to do, putting this podcast series together. And, you know, um, and your intro talks about, you know, being less bad at being a dad. So you're feeling less bad now that you're you're a few interviews in and you've chatted to a <laughs> um, few other people. Have, have I'm feeling been. more. I'm feeling more aware. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, it's it's just a moving target. I think. Um, yeah, I absolutely. I still feel like I'm. I'm a pretty. I wouldn't say bad dad, but I've got so much ground to make up. 
and I'm I think it's the more you look, the more you see, and I'm definitely seeing yeah. more areas to improve. Uh, yeah. And it's not a bad thing. I, I I'm not sort of admonishing myself. I mean, I, I do that a bit, but um, well, that's I part of your growth mindset yeah. approach, though. With, you know, uh, uh, totally, and that's why that's why I wanted to call it the dad mindset. You know, if yeah. you've got a growth mindset applied to yeah. being a dad, you know how how good can you become at being a dad? Um, you know, if you put your mind to it, and that's yeah. kind of my goal. <laughs> so, 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 what do you think have been the common themes amongst the you know fourteen? 14 of us that you've you've inquired into the inner thinking of our minds what are the common themes you keep you think that keep popping up in this being a dead bit i I wouldn't so much say there's common ones there's been there's been highlights from each one that have really stuck out and so yeah well i suppose yeah that there there are commonalities i think there's the the fundamentals like fairness big one like you have to be fair I mean, yeah. we, we all know, we all hear about boundaries. I still don't quite know how to set boundaries properly. I think that, yeah. that comes down to almost like um, operant conditioning, you know, like uh, dog training in a, in a certain well, sense that you just have to be consistent. Well, um, that, was a big, that was a big bit of the experience of Adelaide, wasn't it? You, you trying to find the meaning and, and way forward and all of that too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think um, the, the other parts are really about pre-thinking stuff like actually taking the time to think things through and have your own mind made up and and i i think yeah. the overarching thing is we all recognize that we've got to work on ourselves first before yeah. we can expect to show up and and help these little adults if you know what i mean yeah absolutely rich i certainly you know um i don't mean to sort of uh, I underscore that notion of, of those highlights between each one of the, you know, interviewed dads you've spoken to, because there's certainly heaps of those and they're amazing. Um, and I guess it's the academic head in me that sort of looks for that narrative that comes out. But, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a number that I see that keep popping up. Yeah. You know, we, we touched a little minute ago about camping as being one of the big ones, you know, sorry, just those which, simple activities. Um, I missed that What? Sorry? The, oh, camping. Yeah, as yeah, camping. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, being one of those like simple activities that, you know, has such a yield for effort. Yeah. Uh, when we're all struggling to pay our bills and all that sort of stuff, you know, it's, it's the one thing that we can do and do really well. And as part of that, of course, I think one of the other really common narratives that are coming up is that that beauty and uniqueness of the alone one-on-one time. Yeah. And particularly, you know, and, you know, you've got <clears throat> your kids are fairly close together and young and, you know, and you've expressed that notion um, you know, to me, you know, when we've been out camping um, and, you know, other places, but also, you know, during the process of the podcast, just about how wonderful that is and the desire of the kids to sort of spend that bit of time with dad by themselves, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that's certainly been one. Um, I think the other one that's coming out too is that, you know, we're all just making stuff up as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and I know that doesn't quite sit right with the sort of person you are. And, um, but you know, uh, it's, it's just one of those grander lessons in life at the end of the day that, yeah, you know, don't it's, fight it's it. just, just go with it. Well, <laughs> it's, it's the same sense of adventure you had when, you know, you're in the army or, you know, um, in Tokyo, you know, Tokyo or, just, you know, it, it's that same sort of notion and sort of trying to bring back some of that sort of, you know, inner you into parenting. It, it's often feel a bit juxtaposed, don't you think? Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the things that people can lose sight of. 
you know, the things that are the most important to you. And I know that a lot of guys I speak to, you know, sort of, but like, oh, you know, I don't do this anymore and I don't do that anymore. And, and I know it can feel like there are certain stages where you can't do certain things, but yeah. I, I suppose the, that that's only a, a small interim stage, if that is even the case. Cause I don't know some dads that still do everything, yeah. but, uh, but I think there's so much benefit to just recognizing what you can do now with what you have and who you yeah. have. And, Absolutely. and that's like, it's just a reframe, isn't it? And I think um, as long as, and that seems to come across with the guys as well. Like, you know, it, it's all your frame of reference and what you look for, you'll see. Yep. And if you're looking yeah. for the good stuff, you'll see the good stuff. If you're looking for the bad stuff, you'll see the bad stuff. So, um, right. yeah, it's, it, it's fascinating stuff. <laughs> I, yeah, I really think the, the more I dig into this, it's the more I'm learning about myself and, and, sort of figuring out, oh, geez, so how do I figure this out for me first, if you know what I mean? Well, it's, 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 it's science, it's art, it's, isn't it? it's, it's just... It's, Mess. It's, it's, it's a second language. It's a, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> and and, and in, in, in between time, it's cooking, you know, and, and mm. it's going to make it. It's, it's, yeah. Comedy, so, so tell, comedy, don't forget the comedy. <laughs> Dad jokes. It's, it's, um, indeed. How much fun can I make this today? Yeah. Um, so, so, so tell me what favorite activity to do with 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 Annie. I reckon it's building stuff and yeah. doing craft. Although generally she'll be doing it, and I'm just like uh, a third, a second wheel, so to speak. But I mean, recently we just got into these um, like uh, maker crates. Yep. And I love sort of sitting down and watching her having built that then show me what it what yeah. it does and stuff and i love that and the only lesson i think i took from that because we only got onto them a couple of weeks ago is yeah. i think we need to build them at different at a certain time of the week when it's quiet like sunday afternoon or something like that not yeah. after dinner when it's almost yeah. bedtime and yeah. it needs and, and if possible i think i'm going to try and figure out a time to actually sit down with each one individually and go through it with them because we had three kids with three boxes, maker crates all at the same time and only two adults. Yeah. And, and so, and it was like eight o'clock at night, right on the cusp of the witching hour. Well, it was right bang, slap bang center in the witching hour. And um, the wheels almost fell off at one stage, um, yeah. but we managed to keep it back on track. So um, yeah, I think so. And, so building stuff and, and actually, I mean, we went for just a walk the other week. I was, I think Annie misses out on the most amount of time with me and I haven't figured out why yet but it's something I, I am trying to fix and I think camping I, like I just fixed up the uh, camp bed in the back of the van so um, I'm hoping to go on um, yeah just like micro adventures with the yeah. the kids as soon as the um, the sunlight sort of um, starts uh, getting early earlier in the morning so that we can actually go even on a school night or something just down to Anglesey and you know just one of them and me jump in the, well, the van and yeah. camp overnight and then get back to school in the morning. Yeah, you're certainly in the right location for it down where you guys are, aren't you? So, yeah. yeah oh, totally. and, and, and he's definitely a maker kid. You can see that. She's a maker at heart. So what about Emily? Favourite activity with Emily? I think that would be... Yeah, it's a tough one. 
I think she's got a bit of a sense of humour, hasn't she? She you know? does. She's yeah. She. I mean, she can definitely. She's picking up sarcasm perfectly. It's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the best type of sarcasm. I think that's what I like about her. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Um, she. I think we tend to spend a bit more time together, um, and I think it's just. Oh, actually, no. I'm going to take a step back. I reckon it is the it's the camping with. Emily, because she was the one that wanted me to build the bed in the back of the van, and she was yeah. all for it. And it's reading Harry Potter and the methods of rationality with Annie. Yeah, right. So it's actually a flip. Um, right. But Annie's jumped on. Like as soon as I built the bed in the back of the van, I slept in the in the driveway with Emily the first night. I built it about yeah. an hour before dark, and I was like, "Can we sleep in it tonight?" Then I was like, "Okay, cool." So now I'm sleeping in the driveway. And because um, the the van's got the windows in the roof, so you can open it up yeah. and watch the stars. So it's actually yeah. brilliant. But um, and then the next night, Annie's like, "Well, I want to sleep in the van now," and so we slept in the driveway again on the Sunday night. And um, and so I think that was definitely Amelie and me. I think that that'll probably be more us. But um, but Annie has definitely been reading um so we've read all the harry potter series and then we got into harry potter and the methods of rationality and and annie finds that hilarious like she is laughing her yeah. ass off and it's yeah. really good because it is teaching all sorts of things like you know confirmation bias and all this yeah, sort of yeah. stuff all these mental models yeah. and uh and so that's been really good and her realizing that there's a, such a different mindset to a story you can tell a story in a totally yeah. different way and so that's been really exciting but i think um ali's really ali's just we ali and i lay down on the floor uh, in the lounge on sunday and for the first time we read together so she had yeah. her book and she was yeah. just reading harry potter number four she just studied at number four because yeah. that was the only book she'd get from the library and right. i was reading um this book next to her and it felt so good to be lying next to her on the floor in front of the heater both reading different books and so that well, that's sometimes really that's all exciting. you need to do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. actually i was gonna i was gonna mention that the reading bit as being a special activity you know one of those key activities you know dad and, and kids yes and, and sometimes, sometimes to my detriment falling asleep, <laughs> falling asleep at 8 p.m and then waking up completely wired at 12 <laughs> just like what the hell am i gonna do now oh yeah just i can do some work do stuff. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um and and will uh, so Will is definitely into fighting in a big way. Like I'll come home from work. He's like, "Daddy, come with me." And I go, "Fight! Let's fight!" And all he wants to do is wrestle the whole time. Like he loves it. Um, you know, that, that's really good. Oh yeah, especially for well, especially for boys. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, the father the father son relationship it's really good in. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't yeah. wait till you know. You know, we can get some. Uh, I want to get some crash mats sorted out, and we can start throwing each other around as well. So that that'll be extra fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's good. Um, and yeah. and and he's really keen. We've just started playing table tennis as well around at the coffee shop, and that, actually, that's one of the things Amelie really loves too. So yeah. that's I managed that last Friday. Annie was ill, stayed at home. Will was with um, Sarah at home as well. So I took Ali to school and we went early because she was ready and we went and played table tennis at the local coffee shop, Ocean Grove. Yeah. And uh, it was so much fun. She was cracking the sads 
after not being able to serve a few times. And luckily, yeah. my neighbor James jumped to the rescue because he just turned up and he grabbed a bat and he jumped the other side of the table and I stood behind Amelie. So every time she missed it, I could pick it up and hit it back yeah. over. And yeah. so all of a sudden, she was having good experiences. And so she started to love it. And so we turned a, uh, a what could have been disastrous experience and she'd never like it again yeah. into, oh, this is cool. I really like this. So that was great. But um, but Will, that, that, Will that, likes that too. That that's really interesting, Rich. That you talk about that six, uh, notion of success early. <laughs> that, that's come up as a thing in a number of the podcasts, isn't it? You know, particularly around surfing. Yeah, you yeah. Know, not uh, having a yeah. bad experience. Early yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Um, look, look. Um, you know. Um, I, yeah, are you sure this is really about? you know emily and table tennis or did you just need the coffee <laughs> it's always about the coffee glenn you know me of course, of course. enjoy your um, caffeinated beverage <laughs> indeed. and and of course you're splitting your time here with with maggie the dog as well you know with activities with well, kids early in the she's morning she's definitely the most and... she's probably the most needy child that we have because um if she doesn't get a look in she she starts digging holes in the garden um I've, luckily i've been taking her into the office quite a bit but, and, um, and, for, and for the listeners' sake here, uh, just let's just be very clear. Um, you know, Rich and I often talk at midnight, but we also talk just before nine o'clock on his way into work, <laughs> and uh, that's when he's taking a big breath of you know, of uh, uh, having spent two or three hours you know entertaining children down the beach, swimming, you know, going for walks, <laughs> throwing the ball to the dog, you yeah. know, all before he turns up to work, you know, looking fresh and uh, and, and dapper. So uh, yeah, and then cracking uh, so... the coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I haven't even made my own toast yet, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I know one of the questions you've asked all of us on the way through is, you know, how do you think your kids would describe you to their friends? So, you know, what, what, what do you reckon, you know, they're saying? I think, it's, I, I reckon, conversation. yeah, I, I'd like to say funny, um, and hopefully they probably would. But they'd probably say funny in a peculiar way, not funny, haha. <laughs> so, you know, like, but yeah. no, I, I th- I, yeah, I'd like to think that. And they'd definitely say silly, I think. Um, funny, just, silly. Um, that's probably it. A bad singer, probably. You, you know, you and a bad singer. You're a great singer. You, you know how you and I have talked about what what they say about what job you do. What do you reckon they're saying about the, the what does dad do as a job? <laughs> I I'm pretty I'm pretty certain I know what they say. Oh yeah, he sells wallets for a living. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> he goes on aeroplanes a lot. <laughs> yeah, he flies around. Yeah, he goes on. Well, actually, according to Sarah, I go on holidays a lot. <laughs> so so here I am. You know, uh, I'm not. I'm not going on a work trip to Asia. I'm. I'm Daddy's on another holiday this week. You know, Liv and I have the same exactly same discussion. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Indeed. And and so, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about hacks and stuff. You know, so so what? You know, as parenting, you know, and, and as parents, um, you know, what sort of hacks have you you tried yourself, and what hacks have you tried that a few of us suggested on the way through in the in the last you know six months or so? Well, that have been successful. Yeah, I mean, I've tried all of them, basically. Um, right. The ones that spring to mind are uh, Tim, uh, his suggestion around asking, is this a small problem, a medium problem, or a big problem? Yeah, yeah it's good to um, say. Yeah. It's a cracker. Um, and I know Stacey took onto that as well. Yeah, so totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think the, I mean, well, I've had a recent success that is probably only going to be short-lived, but I think it's worth a mention, and that was... Um, 
actually from a conversation I think I had with Stacy. I'm not sure whether it was actually part of the episode though. And I think it was around, um, oh yeah, so dinner time, really struggle um, to, you know, encourage the kids to eat certain things. And, and I think this came from Andy McNeely as well, like giving them choice or the ability yeah. to feel like they have agency. Because it's when you think about it, every part of a child's day is pretty much locked down. And the parents are doing their best, but it's it's structured and organized and the parents in control. And and really kids are just they're little adults and they you know, everyone wants their autonomy. No one likes to be told what to do. And I think um and I sort of looked at it from their perspective when it came to mealtime. I was like, you know what? If someone put down the same meal in front of me for everyone and said, There you go, eat all of that. I'd dig my heels in and go get fucked, <laughs> you know. Like I want that other part of the menu, you know. And so it's good enough for us, Generation X's, Rich. Well, true, but <laughs> I think um, I I um, I sort of took the viewpoint of okay, so and I, I think it, yeah, I can't remember who it was now suggested putting um, putting each individual food in a different bowl and just letting them serve themselves. And I thought, oh, this is open, totally open to abuse here. But um, funnily enough, as soon as they had empty plates in front of them, and there was like a bowl of broccoli, a bowl of potatoes, a bowl of peas, um, a bowl of, I can't remember what it was. I literally threw together a whole bunch of stuff. It was pretty random. But they ate everything. Like they ate some of everything. Whereas if I'd have put it all, I think it was rice, yeah, fried rice. If I'd have put it all in a bowl and then put the vegetables on top, they would have usually probably just straight away gone, oh, I'm not eating that. And then it would have been a, a you know a discussion around, well, just eat the rice then or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And whereas yeah. because I just put it out there and I started eating, they they ate just certain things to start with and then afterwards they'd pick at something else and there's some tofu and then you know the broccoli got all eaten and and I was just amazed it was so good and uh yeah I just wonder whether that's going to happen again but it's definitely worth a try and and Absolutely. yeah I've tried to you know sort of recreate that a few times now I did it tonight with spaghetti bolognese but obviously there's only two components there so it, uh, Spag and bog. Yeah, that, right. It didn't <laughs> didn't work. I didn't really think that one through, but um, but, but, my, but, my, yeah, but the, the 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 thought was there. <laughs> you know, you know that notion that your school doesn't help either with that notion of your whole life's organised by other people, and so you, you you know I I don't I don't prescribe to the notion of them being young adults. I don't think that's you know that's not a me thing, um, but certainly I I. I totally agree with that notion about um uh about the world being organized by 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 other people and adults and you know yeah. you don't get a lot of choices in that sort of process you know and, and it is is a way of sort of finding your way about pushing the boundaries and stuff and and you know finding your way forward at the end of the day there are some people who just don't like broccoli like you know <laughs> exactly <like Harry>. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know, um, at the end of the day, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's interesting. So that, that that whole sort of food question comes up quite quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so in that sort of modelling, you know, um, you know, how, how were things modelled for you from your parents, or modelled to you from your parents? Hey, uh, you sorry, know? how do you mean, Glenn? The um... I say, you know, what, what sort of you know uh, role modelling did your oh, mum yeah. and dad do for you? Um. I behavior think, model yeah so like the things i've taken from the way they brought us up um i think i took from mom like she would just do stuff um she would really go out of her way to have interesting experiences for us and she was 
always there for us. And I think I've really taken on board that. And, you know, I remember distinctly she would drive us. Dad had an industrial accident when we were about 11 or 12. I was, and then Beck was five years younger. And so we would often, he was in hospital for six months. Um, you know, he's really banged up quite seriously. Um, and so we, she would drive us over to the hospital and we'd go visit and then we'd go and find this amazing park with amazing climbing frames and stuff. And, and so she, she would always be looking for those experiences to tag on like, oh, there's, I've heard there's this really amazing playground or there's this really amazing place we can go. And so she was always looking for those interesting experiences. And, and she took us to the States to li- uh, live with a family friend in Indiana for a month. And we went to Germany to visit Auntie Jo and Uncle Mike for, I think, about two weeks when we were super young. So she was always really trying to paint a rich... Um, yeah, canvas for us. It was, um, yeah, 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 it was yeah. amazing. And dad would usually stay at home. He wasn't really into that sort of thing. But he, you know, his part was he was working yeah. really hard to afford for those, uh, afford the money those, to pay for those, those trips. Elements, and, yeah. and they were totally yeah. supportive. So how do you think you're... I, well, just yeah, to close out on that, I remember them saying when um, I took German at school, and um, and I, it was like you had to make that call when you were, I think. 13 like what you wanted yeah. to go into for GCSEs yeah. Yeah. and uh and the discussion was if you if you decide you want to do German we'll pay for a trip to Germany you know we'll yeah. we'll save the money and make it happen and it really hit me as that was a big deal for them like that would have been a lot of money and it was just to know that they they backed me the yeah. you know they had my back and they were going to totally you know support me and yeah it was really so I really took that away from both of them I suppose but yeah. And then I, I suppose from dad, I I think it was just his, yeah, his, his ability to fix was the thing I really, you know, admired the most and took from him, his, his approach. Yeah, indeed. indeed. So what, what, how does the parenting style of your parents differ to, you know, how you and Sarah are going about stuff? And, and even, you know, from Lucy and Butch and Sarah, you know, what the, you got a mix going on there, you know, as, as partners, but you've also got a mix as, you know, what you remember It's definitely. When you were young. I, th- and, I think it's, I wouldn't say it's a collage, it's more of a Jackson Pollock. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> I think, I know, well, I mean, that's the thing. I think this is the big issue. It's default is what we fall on. You know, yeah. you know you're, you're only as good as, uh, what's that saying? You know, you're not not as good as you think you think you are. You're only as good as your training. But it's actually the defaults that you've had set in your life. Yeah, and if yeah. you're not conscious of it, and and you know you sleep deprived and all that sort of stuff. So I I can see certain things happen. And I know my dad had a terrible upbringing. Like his dad was awful, absolutely awful to him. Yeah. Like he couldn't have been crueler. He was really mean always undermined dad every turn and so dad had all sorts of things to to deal with from from granddad yeah and um but he didn't pass those on to me but he did struggle with them and i think i admire i really admire that that he he certainly he broke the chain from my granddad being an asshole like he totally wasn't an asshole to me and, that's and often think, the case isn't it, it, that's right that's yeah. that's yeah. N- nearly always the yeah. case yeah. and so i really and I, I only realize that sort of now. 
um, what a feat that was because it's so easy to see and you see it everywhere that a lot of people tend to just be exactly the same as their parents yeah. just because that's the only set of parenting role models we've had. Yeah. And, um, and I suppose that comes a lot from not being brought up by a village as well. Cause yeah. I think I, you know, I, I spent, I had a really deep relationship with my grandparents, my, 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 my mom's, yeah. yeah. So my yeah. gramps and my nan, I'd, I'd spend you know time with them every day after school and so yeah. on. But yeah, I think, um, from from a parenting perspective for dad to sort of break that chain was amazing but you know he was frustrated a lot and i you know he did get quite angry and stuff as well i think that was more frustration and and i definitely didn't want to recreate that and yeah. and you know it's so easy when when your button buttons get pushed and stuff and you, <laughs> you feel yeah. the emotion rise in you and you're like yeah. oh just just change direction like eject <laughs> you know just don't don't go there but um yeah, it's 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 one of the hardest things because you're in high pressure situations when you're sleep deprived and all your buttons are getting pushed all at the same time and 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 it's yeah. okay to be grumpy. Too, yeah, that's dad. right. You know, true. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. That, that's actually an interesting learning process for kids in my head too. That you know, sometimes when you know, hey, look, mum and dad are looking a bit grumpy. You know, what are the reasons behind that? Yeah, you know, could it could it be me? That's <laughs> right. I think that's important. Yeah. And I so, think, so you, well, I think one of the things I've read recently is to actually just say, look, I'm feeling really grumpy right now, so this is not a good yeah. time to have this conversation. You know, just being up front with it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, your mum and dad were clearly big inspirations on you. You know, who who else have you had that's inspired you parent-wise? You know, Lucy, clearly, you know, is, yeah, she's such a fantastic operator, isn't she? <laughs> she is. I mean, she, she was a childcare worker. Um in her oh, career. I didn't realise that. No wonder <laughs> so, she's a child whisperer, so basically. But the thing yeah. is, it's it's tough though because like she could, she just pulls it all together and you're like, geez, how the hell did she do that? <laughs> you know. Um, so I'd often be walking the kids down, uh, well Annie in the pram down from the cabin and go and have breakfast with yeah. Lucy because it'd be so so much easier having yeah. grandma. Yeah. But, but I think. Um, I mean, uh, going back to Gramps, Nan and Gramps were hugely influential on me yeah. as yeah. as parents, and I think more as like just elders. And I think that's yeah. something that is so important. And I really want to, you know, have our kids' experience as well. And um, I think also um, there was a guy who lived across the road, Ron, and he was an athletics coach. Um, he was a, an ex um, police superintendent or something high up in the police force really awesome character and um and he took me under his wing and and uh, would get me he got me into athletics early on i wasn't an athletic kid but you know he he, um he took me every week a couple of times a week and and uh it got to a stage where i actually got really quite good compared to everyone at school whereas i was still not that good in the athletics world like club standard but because i'd been training week in week out and uh, through his sort of support but it was all the the anecdotes and the lessons that he would be just talking as we drove in the car and so i think having all those sort of people around you is really important then there was like cole's dad my best friend at school cole his dad um you know they lived around the corner and spent a lot of time with his dad just making stuff like he he would make these amazing um walking staffs out of hazel and um you know shaping a sheep's horn yeah, and yeah. carving yeah. and all that sort of stuff and 
And then there was my uncle Terry. He played a really big part as well because we would often spend a lot of time with my mom's brother, Terry, and his three uh, kids, Jane, James, and Jenny. They were similar ages to us. But, you know, he was he was a really interesting character in the sense that he he was such a craftsman. He could... He recreated like Monet's and, you know, paintings perfectly. Yeah, I couldn't tell the difference um, between them. And he was a French polisher. He was a cabinet maker that then turned himself into a French polisher and set up his own business. And he would take me off on jobs and, you know, pay me really well to help him out. Because some jobs, you know, you're lifting tables and that. You need a second set of hands. And um, and so yeah, yeah, that's right. All the shellac and 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 you know he would restore furniture that had been flood and fire damaged, and it was absolutely destroyed. And you'd see photos and go, this this cabinet cannot be the same same piece of furniture. And it was it was all furniture from National Trust castles and you know manor houses and stuff. It was all massive, you know, sort of you know five hundred six year old six hundred year old antiques. And um, and he would recreate them and restore them back to their former glory, and you couldn't tell. It was it was astonishing. So, um, but it was all the conversations in the car, you know, driving to the jobs to pick up things. And I think it is it's that one on one time in yeah. the car, like you were saying, you know, driving in the car, listening to music, just talking through stuff that yeah. is some of the most important stuff. So, so you are you feeling confident now that you've got enough role models in, to sort of you know to be kicking a few few things off as well? So you've had these huge you know influences across your life, and now looking you know be, between your friends and you know people you meet that you're picking up enough to sort of become less bad at being a dad. <laughs> I think it's more a I've got a like I mean another one I've got to mention is like well you and PD. Because um, you were probably Sarah and I's uh, biggest mentors when we were growing, um, so, well, with the kids early on, because um, you had kids sort of, I don't know, you you were that sort of level ahead of us. And so, but we looked at your kids and we're like, geez, they've done such a good job with their kids. Like, what is it they do? How do they do that? So we, Sarah and I had multiple conversations along those lines because we often saw you guys interact with your kids. And so we got to see firsthand how you dealt with them and and sort of, you know, you respected them, but were quite firm and all that sort of stuff as well. And and I think another one I have to mention is Will, who we actually named Will after. And he right. was my he was my best friend in Tokyo. Yeah. He was on the – because we both became sort of instructors – uh, on the foreign training staff yeah. and he was um, 10 years older than me and he had a daughter at the time and so he, we were basically like family and I got to see him bringing up his daughter because he was pretty much the stay-at-home dad and then he taught yeah. English in the evenings yeah. but um, but he was amazing as well I was you know just always astounded as to how he never raised his voice and his daughter just you know just they were like best mates and they just worked really well together and i always thought to myself oh man if i ever have kids i want to be able to do it just like that and yeah i've got to get will on the show yeah oh yeah absolutely and (laughs) and i guess one of the reasons i'm asking you about this is just sort of checking in to make sure that you know you've been able to put some pegs in the ground you know 
you know, when the ground sometimes shifts so quickly underneath you as a parent, you know, that you you can peg out something to hold on to. So, and you, 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 you read quite a bit too, of course, you know, so, you know, and I'll know that you'll put a list of books, you know, maybe, um, that, you know, we won't talk about them now, but put a list of books at the end of the podcast of stuff that, you know, you found really helpful to stick those pegs in the ground, you know, something to hang on to. When you know when the seas are a bit rough, or you know, just when you're <laughs> when the shit just, hits you know, the when, fan. <laughs> or, you know, but often it's just when the seas are really rough in your head. Yeah, you know, there's nothing actually going on between the kids in the, in the real world, but you know, there's there's this this storm of stuff going on in your head. You know, when you're just trying to make a bit of sense of stuff. You know, ah, oh, totally. And and, and yeah, you're a, right. There's so much going on yeah. all the time that that you. It's so easy to to not give yourself a measure of ease and time to actually work yeah. things through. And I think that's the yeah. hardest thing. So what do you worry about most, Rich, like as a parent? <laughs> I know you're going to ask that. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I, well, I suppose I know you do. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I worry about missed opportunities with the kids. Like yeah. it's like the times when I, I'll be at home and the kids are watching TV, but I don't turn off the TV and then go, let's go do something. You know, the, yeah. and I know that you shouldn't do that all the time, but I know that we've got such a small band of time together as a family before they go their separate ways. And so it is a case of making every second count, but I know you can't do that all the time. So it is a, it's a, it's a trade off. Yeah. But, um, and then I suppose the, the instant, when you said that, I suppose the answer I didn't want to give, but I suppose I have to is I would worry the most about my kids. I mean, obviously, you've got all the primary worries that parents have, you know, something happening to them, all those terrible things that you don't even want to think about. But I suppose the one of the worst things I think that could happen is your child doesn't trust you enough to tell you something or or come to you or, or worse still yeah. just doesn't want to talk to you again and then that yeah. must be so hard if it happens and yeah i just well tr trust me rich that ain't going to happen with your kids and you and sarah well you know? I, hope, I hope so yeah and, and i suppose that would be yeah. my biggest worry yeah. you know and and i suppose maybe it might happen for a short while hopefully yeah. not not a long while but yeah, I suppose yeah. that would be a big worry. You hear about families where, say, drugs come into onto the scene, and and you know, families just go their separate ways because they can't deal with it and, and yeah, all that, all indeed. that sort of stuff. And yeah. so there are all those sort of worries. I think I think drugs is a very common one amongst us all, isn't it? But remind me, you know, next time we're having a beer camping, that I've got to talk to you about what happens when they're bringing boyfriends home. But we won't cover <laughs> that right now, right? And yeah. so, <laughs> um, so you know. Um, you know, I love that notion, and I can't remember who said it. You know, about just saying, you know, I'm proud of you and thank you. Um, so, what 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 do you reckon? You know, when the kids are a bit older, what do you reckon they're going to say to Sarah? You know, thanks, mum, for blah blah. You know, dot dot. You know, and I'm proud of you for dot dot. You know, what? what how do you reckon, mum, in the view here is for for your kids? I, I reckon she'll get a ton of the glory because <laughs> yeah. she's amazing with the kids. She's ace at everything. She is, what, yeah. What's the most, what is she the most acest at? Just her being best her. Acest. She's, yeah. yeah, she's so authentic to herself. Um, and she is the hardest worker I know. Yeah. yeah, she is hands down the hardest worker in the world as far as I, I know. And um, and I think, I think they'll know that 
that you know she works well actually no the question you said was more along the lines of what will they remember her for being the best at that's right what will they thank her for what will they thank her for just for being being a great mum they uh, they will no doubt say that she is and has been a great mum that's Yeah. yeah without a doubt yeah, I can't put a finger on any one particular thing because she's so good at it all. It's, it's kind of sickening. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, I've got a stiff, stiff competition here. <laughs> Not that it's a competition, is, but... It, it's it, a... Is, it, is this where I say to you, Rich, she balances you out? <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, we need to finish up because we have gone way over time. We have. And so... And so I just need to you know, finish with some of those classic sort of questions you've asked all of us. Yeah. So, um, 42. So, no. <laughs> yeah. There's only 107 questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, Rich, what advice would you give yourself either just before becoming a parent, uh, you know, when they were newborn, 10 yeah. year old, and then, yeah, come on, let's just, just stick with you. Yeah, just if, be- if you knew now, if you knew then what you knew now, what advice would you you'd go back to, to, to before you, uh, before parent you? What would you say to yourself? I would say, you know, and this hogs back to the conversation I have with Andrew um, McCutcheon the other week. I think uh, I would say, like, it is going to be awesome and you're, you're moving on to a new level and it's going to be amazing beyond all your dreams. But in the meantime, get loads of you and Sarah time. You know, really spend as much quality time with your wife or partner because that is going to take a hit for a bunch of time. And so really, really, you know, be, be mindful and deliberate in spending good time together and, and really build that bedrock because you're going to need it when the shit hits the fan and things get really tough and you're both sleep deprived. You're going to, you're going to need a lot of, you know, credit in the bank, if you know what I mean, with that relationship. And, and Sarah and I luckily did that, although we did the fast track version because we were working to a schedule um you know we we did sort of um get married quite quickly and that sort of thing but um yeah that that to each other very quickly yeah that's right and we yeah it's there's no regret there at all we we totally wanted to do it and i think but we didn't expect to get pregnant quite as soon as we did um and i think um and you've only very recently had a night away from the kids (laughs) date night yeah date night yeah. How many years down the track? Yeah. Well, we just had our tenth anniversary, and uh, we yeah. went away for a couple of nights without the kids, and um, stayed in a tiny house, and and that was fabulous. It was so good, and and we've done it a few times uh, for for say a night, yeah. but um, you know, it's it's really important, and you can't lose sight of that relationship as well. And I think some people, and, might. and we didn't even have to go looking for you to get your back, did we? So you know, no. <laughs> Um, and so that was advice you'd give yourself. Um, did I give you any advice before you became a parent? <laughs> I think, was it sleep lots? Uh, right? No, I think you said something like, if you ever wanted to write a book, write it now. Because <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to get time. <laughs> what's, you're doing the post, you do the, the post, post-session podcasting instead. It's all good, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I think that would be cool. the advice I'd give myself. Indeed. Well, I think I think the next thing you need to do is actually interview a few few kids around the traps to sort of you know get their view perspectives on. And you know, you've started interviewing a few mums, and I think this whole sort of you know uh, process all goes into the big dad mix. And um, you're certainly going to get a few more dads on. 
So uh, I look forward to uh, maybe re-interviewing you at uh, Podcast 100. <laughs> That'd be so great. What we've learned from there, hey? And yeah. By then, you've probably got enough maturity or finished your PhD and less bad. <laughs> dad. And I want to say thank you so much, Glenn. It was such a good idea to uh, turn the tables, shall we say. Indeed. Uh, it's, uh, I was a little bit nervous, actually, to be honest. I was like, oh, holy shit. Someone's going to turn the mic on me. <laughs> That's not how it's oh. supposed to work. Well, I haven't asked you any of the embarrassing questions I had written down. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll give yes, you that tenor later. No, it's welcome. So on, on behalf of Fatherhood, thanks again for doing what you're doing. And uh, enjoy that caffeinated beverage. <laughs> thanks, Glenn, and thanks for being you. Well, thanks ever so much for listening to that and putting up with me. I uh, have to give a, a hearty thanks again to Glenn for doing such a great job. And uh, thank you to you. So if you do have a minute, it would be really amazing if you could leave a review on iTunes because uh, it's always good to get feedback. And if you have any suggestions or anything, please reach out through the dadmindset.com because uh, it's always great to hear from you. So, um, yeah, uh, in the meantime, have a fantastic week and enjoy your caffeinated beverage.